And good morning to you. Our order of service is in with one voice on page 46. And uh, we begin with the, uh, the gathering song, hymn 678, in also with one voice. <laughs> rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word is near you, on your lips, in your heart. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. 
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we have celebrated the joy of the festival of our Lord's resurrection. Graciously help us to show the power of the resurrection in all that we say and do. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. The first reading is from the fifth chapter of Acts. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and their tormented to by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We sing hymn 635. second reading is from the first chapter of Revelation. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of, of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel acclamation. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the twelfth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated for him 675.
God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the shock continues. If you recall, last week we were talking about how the first Easter was much different than our Easter's today. And how a lot of things seem to replay themselves, even in our lives, how we respond to things and um, how we receive things and, well, the things that we say in response to those things. I'm sure maybe uh, we might have said something uh, to someone else to find out that the person we were talking about was right behind us. Oh, boy. That's not embarrassing at all, is it? And we come to realize that, you know what? There are people over there saying stuff. And then they look at you and they go, and you say to yourself, oh, they must be talking about me. And let's say you're traveling and, uh, uh, well, no, I, I did this. I, I, went to a, a, um, I went to a store and uh, I ordered something and I was really slaughtering because it was Spanish. And, and I was saying, instead of pollo, I was saying polo. And I, I don't know what polo means. Does it, does, if, it, if you speak Spanish, polo might mean something. You know, I might not even be, should be saying it right now. I don't know. But there was something chicken, which is pollo, and I didn't order pollo. I ordered something else, but they said, well, you mean this. And after several other blunders, you know, a woman standing by me was chuckling. I wasn't really appreciating that, but I, I was understanding that, you know, that does happen when you make a mistake. Somebody chuckles at you when you're traveling in a in a, a, a foreign nation, and two people look at you and just kind of chuckle, and you say to yourself, nah, they're not talking about me. They are talking about you. <laughs> and so it is. A lot of our lives is spent talking about other people and talking about ourselves and talking about how we believe this and how we believe that. The Internet's filled with that kind of stuff where people are saying that, and now, because you have the Internet and because you have this public forum for everybody, they're saying it about you right in front of you. Well, maybe not me, but people. You know what I'm saying? And here, Thomas, you know, when that wasn't supposed to happen, of course, it was happening. The disciples, you remember, if you remember, as they were walking along with Jesus, they were seeing stuff and they were going, wow, how did he do that? Who is this guy? You know, and and, uh, you know, we we think he's going to go this way and then he goes that way. But, man, we're drawn to him and he says things that are true and and we just know it. But and, and we know that it's part of us, but somehow. We just don't get him a lot of the time. And it just, it persists, you know, John is on Patmos and John is kind of, you know, John's the, he's the master of not saying stuff, you know, when he, when, you know, oh, come on, everybody knows it's you. The other disciple, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved, um, uh, you know, he went and he, you know, John beat Peter in a foot race to the tomb and he said, well, no, the other disciple ran to the tomb and and, and, and beat Peter, but then Peter ran in, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And here he is, um, Jesus is, Jesus is known to be mo- closest to, to John. And there was rumors, and they were talking about these things, about how John was the disciple Jesus loved. And it's, and it's there, it's, it's in the Bible. And, um, and you have, the rumor that John is never going to die. This is the thing that, that happened. You know, it's just little rumors, right, amongst the disciples. Uh, you know, is John going to die? or I mean, how are we going to die for that matter? 
And Jesus says, ugh, you know, well, what if John never dies? What's that to you? Which, of course, can stoke the rumor a little. He's not going to die. You know, and that's how we are. Inquiring minds want to know. Even though we're not supposed to know, we want to know. And then you throw in there this Jesus that they kept following and that could do anything, who could do anything and even raise people from the dead, dies on a cross ignominiously. And even though there was the scripture there and even though Jesus spoke to them about these things, somehow they didn't get it. Now, I know exactly how that feels because I've been told not to do certain things and then somehow in my brain, I came out with some other interpretation. Well, not in this case, but in this case, it's possible. And so when you get questioned, why did you do that? What, what, do, what do we say? We said this. Yes, and why did you then do that? I don't know. I got no explanation. My mom told me to get my feet off the table when I was a kid. Watching TV, I'd put my feet on the table. There's a coffee table, you know. And then I went, yes, ma'am, put my feet down. And she came back in a little bit. I thought I told you to get your feet off the table. And I looked, and there my feet were on the table. I, I had not given them permission to get up there. I was so surprised. Well, how is it that you can be so surprised that your feet are on the table when you put them there? You see, this is what we expect other people to know. But I'm telling you that I will do stuff without even knowing that I'm doing it. And tell me you don't do that too. And then when somebody says, why did you do that? And you go, I don't know. And you might even throw a, I don't care, in there as well. Oh, I turned the light on three times and off. Well, they got a word for that, right? Compulsive, what is it? I don't even know what the word is. OCD. But you see, I can't remember that because I'm forgetful. <laughs> we all have these little things that we cannot. And, and you, look, you can, de- you can decide that, that you're not perfect like that, and you can try and straighten yourself out, but the minute you straighten yourself out over here, you're not going to be straightened out that way. But we can learn, like Thomas, right? Thomas, who had boldly said, and he might have said it in shock, and he might have said it in stupidity, he might have said it in whatever he said it, however he said it. Jesus comes in and lets him know, I heard you. I heard what you said, and I heard that you said that you're not going to believe unless you can put your hands in wounds, in my wounds, and here I am. Here I am, Thomas. Here, put your fingers in there. Well, I don't want to put them. Put them in there. You asked for it. You got it. How about my side? How embarrassing. And what were the other disciples thinking? Glad it's not me. Or, you know, I got to say, I'm glad I didn't say anything, right? Because I was sure thinking it. And I wouldn't mind putting my hands in. I wouldn't mind doing that. What does this mean? It means that we can't even control ourselves and we can't even understand what we do or what we don't do or what we should do. And every time it happens, it surprises me. Every time I do something that I shouldn't do, it surprises me. And all I can do is say, Lord, help me. That's all I can do. 
because I know I'm not perfect. And I know that this brain that I have is deteriorating and getting older isn't going to help. It's going to get worse. It's kind of a little uh, uh, a sad thing, but but this morning our old dog somehow walked between my the lounger and the wall, and I have all kinds of cords there, and the dog never does that, and got stuck. It's sad, but it's, come on, it is a little funny. And I had to finally pick, and I was petting the dog on her, her backside, and she just loved that. Well, this morning, it caused her to collapse. She loved it so much, and she wanted to react to it, but somehow her physicality is not up to that. And so I put her on the couch, came to church. And you know what? That's a little bit of a microcosm of somehow uh, of how we are or how we may even seem to other people. Because other people see us and they say, well, you know, you should believe this way or you should believe that way. But we don't understand each other. We don't understand God. For heaven's sakes, we don't even understand ourselves. Sometimes it's 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 amazing that we get anything done. But we do. With the help of God, we do. And I think that God has given us the simplicity of life. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Go out and speak plainly. I don't know that we have to be sophisticated, really. If we do, then I'm, I'm in trouble again. Because sometimes I think I can be sophisticated, but I'm not fooling anybody. But of course, nobody walks up and tells me. Well, sometimes people do, and then I don't appreciate it. Right? Somebody tells you you should, you, you know, somebody says, well, maybe, maybe, you know, you should, maybe you should zip something up there, pastor. Well, uh, I don't appreciate you telling me that. Well, if you don't do that, then you could be exposing yourself. And this is the way life is. Thomas, boy, did he expose himself. But brothers and sisters in Christ, didn't God already know this? And there is a, I think there is a, um, a, a certain freedom that comes with knowing that God really, truly does know who we are better than we know ourselves. And that may be part of what we don't get about him. I don't know why John needed to see Jesus the way he was. Maybe it's because John was such buddies with Jesus that Jesus said, look, I'm going to have to appear, and you go back to Revelation, I'm going to have to appear to him like something that he doesn't really recognize so that he can hear what I'm saying. And we might have had to have done that before. We might have had to have adopted an attitude that's less than friendly so that the person we're talking to can hear what we are communicating and not discount it. If you've been a boss... You've had to do that. If you've been a pastor, you've had to do that. And we don't like doing that. Well, and even if you've been a spouse, right? You've had to do that, haven't you? Sit down, dear. We need to have a talk. Oh, boy, here we go. But if we listen to one another and we accept one another, 
on the other side is love, forgiveness, grace, joy, even. Knowing that we are messed up in whatever face we put in front, everybody, everybody can see, just like you can see other people's limitations and, and, and their ticks and their habits and all of that stuff, and you think that you've got yours covered, well, who taught you that, that you're the only one in the world who can fool everybody else? And you realize that they love you, even though you do have those tics, and those mannerisms, and whatever it is. And you know where that comes from, hopefully? God. Because God teaches us to forgive one another, to bear with one another, to love one another. And in a world where there where you have to have everything on the ball or somebody doesn't respect you that much is not, I don't think, a place that God appreciates as much as he appreciates people who love one another, forgive one another, put up with one another. Because no one is spotless. Everyone is sinful. We come in here and we say this every time. God, forgive us, poor, miserable sinners. And I love the part especially set where it says, God, forgive me my sins and forgive me when I've done things that I didn't know I was doing. Sins of omission, where, where, you, where you don't do things that you should do or maybe say. And what's a sin and what's a slight of conscience, you know? I should have maybe said that to that person, but I didn't. I said something else. I said something stupid. Or maybe I didn't say anything at all and I should have said something. Why? I don't know. I don't know. It happened. You can't take it back because then they're going to think you're even more weird. Hey, you know, when I said that, what I really meant was, Stop, stop right now, please, stop, go away. <laughs> then you feel even worse. Jesus sees us with everything that we are. And he knew that. Before we were even created, he knew. He knew. And he still created us. That is deep. That is significant. Because Jesus does not have flaws like we have. But you realize that the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they painted him with flaws. Did they not? People did. They saw sin in Jesus. Well, my goodness, didn't you see what he did? He drove the money changers out of the temple. Should he not have found a, a better way to do that? Should he not have been a little more gentle with them? But what did he say to those people? This is my house. You came into my house and you made it a den of thieves. You know, there's people who want to come in here and worship. And how dare you make them worship in a barn with, with dung all over the place? And use that as a marketplace to sell things to people so they can sacrifice the best to me. You're missing the point. So how, how should Jesus have responded? And he has responded that way. Even to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said. But what is he saying here in, in Revelation? He's He's telling John, you have to, you've got to understand, I am here. And John says, yeah, but you look different. Well, he wasn't saying that, he was thinking it. I mean, if you look at the, at the apparition, that, because that's what we want to do, right? We want to turn and we want to see. And then what you do see, I'm amazed that he got so much detail, because I've seen stuff and... And I, I fixated on one or two things, and that was it. A horrible witness, 
don't ever ask me to be a witness for anything. I'm horrible at it. And here he describes. Now, of course, I'm sure that God gave him the words to describe because I don't know how you can see blazing eyes when the when Jesus's face was shining as bright as the sun. I don't I don't understand how that's humanly possible, because I think the sun would pretty much obscure all a lot of that that detail. And yet John lays it out. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke like many waters, rushing waters, like a like a I don't know. What is that? Is that even a voice? It's a sound that that speaks intelligently that John could understand. And what did he say? Well, Jesus says, I am the beginning, the end. I was dead. I'm alive. I'm never going to die again. You need to know this. And what what makes this strange to the world is they say, well, I, we don't know of anybody who's ever done that. How can you say you have done that when no one else has done that? Well, that's a pickle, isn't it? But someone else has done it. And that's Jesus. And everyone who suffers and dies also does that. Because Jesus was baptized into his death, we also are baptized into his death, and we also are baptized into his life. So Jesus, being the one who was the first to be raised from the dead, is just that. He is the first of many. So we have said goodbye to loved ones. Loved ones who lived in faith. And so we sit here without having seen. And we say, thank God he has fulfilled his promises because our loved ones are not dead. They are alive, just like the Bible says. Believe. Even though you die, you shall live. Wow. That's hard to understand. But once again, how do we understand that? Who told you this stuff? And this is what the world says. Who told you that this is possible? Are you nuts? And then there's the witness. There's the Holy Spirit that we are given. There's the truth. There's the wisdom. There's the life that we inhabit. Even though we are falling apart, even though we are deteriorating, we know whose we are, and we know that we will rise to everlasting life. Why? Because Jesus did it before us, and Jesus promised that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Even though he dies or she dies, we will rise again. How is this possible? Because the one who is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, has told us this. The Alpha has no father. The Alpha is the father of fathers. There is no one before him, and there will be no one after him. We all come and live and have our being within the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So let us have comfort. Let us go out with comfort, realizing that even though maybe we get on the Internet and we read about symptoms and we go, oh, I got all of those symptoms, and that we have, you know, some rare disease that nobody else has or something like that and we convince ourselves that we're falling apart when actually 
All we might need is a swift kick in the pants, which I'm not going to give you. I don't know who will give you that, but you might have to figure it out yourself. But realize that God, and this, this might be the, the thing that keeps us all going, that God already knows. He knows, and He knows our final days, and He knows everything about us. And He says, I'll, I would never change a thing. And even though we're going to have, wait, I've got more questions. Sometimes God might say, well, that's enough for now. It's enough that you understand this and you try and you and you chew on what you have and you digest it. You think about it, meditate on it. And just listen and go out and do what I ask you to do. But what about just just do what I ask you to do, understanding that I know you better than you know yourself. Just go and do what I've taught you. And I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. And I will fill you with the peace that surpasses all understanding, even your own. And these are the words that come from our loving God and Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We continue with the hymn of response, hymn 676. rise to the response of the word on page 49. 
In Christ you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. We, we believe in him and are Living together in trust and hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, let us be reconciled to God and to one another. Gracious God, have mercy on us. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. Uphold us by your Spirit, so that we may live and serve you in the newness of life. To the honor and glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Sisters and brothers, rejoice, mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us pray. Gracious God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, you call us from death to life, from silence to speech, from idleness to action. With these gifts we offer ourselves to you, and with the church for all the ages, we give thanks for your saving love. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Gracious Lord, you have worked the salvation of the world through the death and resurrection of your Son. Give us strength to our praise and let our hearts and mouths be filled with the joy of your wondrous works. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord Almighty, you stoke the fires of your church, churches as light in the darkness of the world. As we gather in the spirit of the, on the Lord's day, comfort and embolden your holy ones to serve in your presence and to cherish the words you have written to your churches. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son visited disciples hiding away for fear of the Jews, as well as John when he was exiled by the Romans to Patmos. Sustain all your disciples in the throes of persecution. Visit them with your Easter gospel and give them their portions of the resurrection unto life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, God of hosts, you have added believers to the Lord Jesus in all times and places from those receptive and hostile alike. Shepherd the nations, bring all peoples to embrace the gospel of the resurrected Christ curb wicked rules, rulers and break their power that all would be brought to the feet of Jesus in worship. Lord, in your mercy, Amen. our great physician, 
even the shadows of your apostles brought healing to the afflicted people of Jerusalem. As we rest under the shadow of your wings, heal your afflicted servants, especially those people that we continuously keep before us in the bulletin, that they would rejoice in your steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your gifts to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for the past 175 years. Chief, chiefly, do we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, who alone is our salvation. By his death, you have atoned for our sins. By his resurrection, you have justified us. And by his word and Holy Spirit, you have brought the gospel of peace to us. We give thanks for the 175 years in the congregation of our synod that you've richly and daily forgiven the sins of believers. Not unto us, but unto your name, O Lord, be, be all glory. We implore you, O Lord, to sanctify and keep the congregations, schools, and organizations together with all our people in the truth. Your word is truth. Preserve us from false teaching. Bring us to repentance for every place where love or zeal has faltered. Grant us and our children hold and steadfast hearts to remain faithful to this confession and church, suffering all rather than death to fall away from it. And unite us with all Christians, a true confession of Jesus Christ in whom the world has redemption the forgiveness of sins. To you alone be all glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs> Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the sending song, hymn 671.
right. Uh, announcements. All 